G'day and welcome to Nutritious Conversations. I'm your host, Duncan McMartin. My intention is that these chats with my guests add as much richness to your life as they do mine. And you too can be inspired to indulge in nutritious conversations with friends, family, and complete strangers. Big love and enjoy. Well, g'day. Welcome to another episode of Nutritious Conversations. I've got the beautiful Karen Chryson with me, and we've just been having a bit of a chinwag off camera, and we've gone, oh, my God, let's hit record. <laughs> let's get into this. So, Karen, welcome. Welcome to the to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is going to be fun. I've got a good feeling about this. <laughs> look, so do I. So do I. Hey, look, normally what I do is uh, when, I'm, when I kick off a, a podcast, um, what, what book are you reading at this point in time? Or books? Oh, multiples. But the the one I have by my bedside, and I always dive into it, is a book called The Field by Lynn McTaggart. <laughs> and yeah. it's about quantum physics. And it was a really good one because it, um, it anchored in for me that it just anchored it into my field, what it was. I knew theoretically what quantum physics was all about, but there was a few, there is a few sort of paragraphs in that book that I go back to time and time to remind myself of we're all connected. And and that is the yeah. So that's my my go-to book. Um I have quite a few that I'm always dipping into. Like <laughs> I, I love it. I, Lynn McTaggart, yeah. I, I read um and sort of connected into the power of eight um and uh yeah just a yeah she's a she's a incredibly beautiful writer and uh and interesting you know um bringing the uh demystifying a few things as well yes i i sort of like got into her field um in the 90s when she brought out um i think it was monthly magazine called what the doctors don't tell you Oh wow! Okay, and and that really was a brilliant. It was a brilliant um, thing that really helps just dive into lots of different things, and and it's part and parcel of sort of like the realization of what's going on behind the scenes and what we're not being told. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I learned that from actually the eighties. Really. Mm. We weren't being told. And the things that have been hidden from us. So, you know, um, being trained in natural health for so long, um, what teachers have taught me and what I've found out for myself is that the cures in inverted commas are already there. Hmm. For everything. We can we can heal anything Perfect. if we have the right experience, you know. I, I I love that, and I and I think that's that's one hundred percent the you know epiphany might have be even a right word there you know that I I had quite a few years ago that we can heal everything can be healed and everything, everything. and you know and especially once uh, you know an intimate understanding of the quantum the conscious realm whatever label we want to put on it which is which is great what sent you on this on this trajectory what sent you on this this natural trajectory. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I've always sort of had an affinity with nature. So when I was a child, I used to 
have big chats with trees and things like that. Um, and my, I had a favourite rhododendron bush that I used to sit under. I, I've got a vivid memory when I was about seven. And um, we just moved house and there was this beautiful, huge rhododendron bush that I used to go and sit underneath and have big, long conversations with her. And I never told anyone because I, when I did talk to, you know, when I did mention it, I got laughed at and stuff. And so so I kept that to myself. But to, my real trajectory was in my mid-20s when one day I just couldn't get out of bed. And I thought I had flu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had what is now known as chronic fatigue, but it wasn't, they didn't have a name then. And because I had a previous encounter with the medical profession in my late teens, when I had glandular fever, but it was misdiagnosed, mm-hmm. and I had several trips to the doctors, and they'd given me various diagnoses with various different medications. And so I ended up in bed for over three months Hmm. and one of the doctors actually said to me that you should never have been given the medication you were given Hmm. and so when I ended up in bed for several weeks and realized it wasn't flu um, I sort of pulled myself instead of going to the doctors which I know many people would do I dragged myself to the local health shop and I met this amazing woman who was a nutritionist and so she steered me on a path of nutrition and so I started to get a little bit better and so I decided to study it mm-hmm. and so every time I found something that I felt worked for me I studied so consequently I sort of went into um, medical herbalism iridology um, biofeedback which is sort of like it was an allergy test that I actually had done that I think actually was one of the most effective things that I, I really did. And, and that sent me on a most wonderful journey into the teacher who taught me how to use what was called a Vega test. And it's using point probes on the, on the acupuncture points. And he was um, 86 and a most amazing teacher. And I realized as he was teaching us this, he had so much more because he was not only a homeopath, but he was also a quantum physicist. And so he had so much to teach. So I decided to persuade him. I did persuade him, took quite a bit of persuading to teach me more. So I ended up working with him for about four years and taught me so much. He taught me how to make homeopathic remedies from scratch, how to make powerful essences from trees, flowers, whatever, whatever I wanted. I I learned to harness that frequencies. And so that was a magical journey. So I've had quite a long sort of time of study and I've been so blessed actually. I, I feel that having gone on the journey that I have, that that illness, and I know many people who have had struggles with health would would also agree with me if they've worked their way through it is it was the best thing that ever happened to me Mm. yeah yeah that's incredible I mean I've written a couple of notes because there's all these things the beta test you know I'd I'd sort of seen and touched base with it wouldn't believe I actually had a conversation yesterday about that (laughs) which is a little serendipity there um 
and, and looking at German new, new medicine um, side of things mm. too, you know, and so we're having a bit of a chat about that. But but I think it's, you're so right, and thank you for sharing that. That was just beautiful because I think that the the courage, and I, I love the word courage, you know, it's not courage isn't jumping out of the trenches. Courage is the first movement in where, mm. you know, hmm, responsibility, the ability yeah. to respond, you know, yeah. and so how do, I, how do I gain that? Well, first of all, I've got to get to know who I am. And that intimate journey that we actually have and following that beautiful trajectory of, of, of the, the childlike, in, you know, inquisitive nature, which is probably yeah. what you use to persist with that beautiful yes. 80-year-old teacher, you know. It's like, tell me more, tell yeah. me more, I want to know more. And it's like, yeah. oh, God, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, was so, I was so disappointed when he decided at 90 to retire, you know. I thought, you know, just, no, you can't do that. But I understand. <laughs> he just told me, go along. You can go and learn your own stuff now. So that's what I've been fortunate enough to do. You know, it's been a, I think the journey of life is the never ending quest for a, a constant state of improvement, I think. Yeah. 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 I, I, I have to agree. I think this, you know, there's a lot of knowledge out there, but there's a lot of stuff that hasn't been created. And, you know, and I think as we step more and more into the the bliss of who we are and start to expression that soul level, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that's been created in the past is knowledge. Um, but we don't go through life through a rear vision mirror all the time. It's great to look back, but there's a wisdom that we can tap into. And and but there is a basis. So I, I love that there's a foundation. Like we have a foundation for language, which is, you know, you're an alphabet or and words, and then we have some of the you know, the grammar that associates with it and how things associate. But then the, the beauty of poetry comes forward, which is the expression of those words or the, the, the beauty of writing or the beauty of conversation, which is what, you know, this is what I love. That's yeah. why I call it nutritious conversations because it's, it's like I've just sat there and had the most beautiful meal, you know, uh, metaphorically with, with my guests and, uh, and I, I love it, absolutely love it. Yeah, and, of course, you are because, you know, the information and connection feeds the soul, doesn't it? Oh, you know, absolutely. And and you know, we can. I think the delight of working with uh, we wouldn't like to call them clients, really, because just working with fellow humans is that every single person has something to teach us. Hmm. Hmm. And yeah, I might be named as a teacher, but really and truly, I'm just a fellow soul going along a journey alongside one another and exchanging pieces of wisdom that we get fed. And we don't know where that gets fed from, whether it's from our past life experience or whether it's from the divine. Mm. And and the more we link into our true self, the more we get linked into the divine. And and the realization is we don't need to follow a guru. No. We follow a teacher. Mm. We actually need to follow our heart. Mm. Yeah. And then we find people along the way that can help us just take those extra steps to keep on improving. And, mm. and that. That's what I love about my journey with everything from nutrition to herbs to essences to everything. It's, it's the actual 
what feeds the soul. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's what life is, isn't it? It's a constant state of looking inside so that we can keep on helping ourselves, but also, and then when we help ourselves, of course, that has the knock-on effect of helping everyone else who is in our field around mm. us. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when we feel good, that has a knock-on effect on those around us. Yes. And conversely, when we're feeling blur, we'll affect others as well. And so it's our job to feel good. I love that. It's so beautifully articulated. I think the the insight that I've sort of looked at for myself, which sort of was sort of a foundation for, you know, pursuing a, a bit of an idea for a writing of a book, you know, um, first of all, it's to be able to express, you know, so I understand. And, you know, and the, I sort of look at, at, at three sort of phases and I, and I, I utilise the, the analogy of, of um, the, the biblical walking on water. I'm not religious, but I can... I love spiritual books and you know I heard somebody say when you when you read spiritual books through the eyes of your soul it, it actually has a, a language to it and it can unlock um you know analogous language which is beautiful and the, the analogy is the walking on water scenario and uh, a lot of us are familiar with Jesus walking on water is mine Jesus decided to stop working that's all good I'll pop it back in but um you know Jesus walking on water and you know, what's left out of that picture a lot of the times is that you've got the disciples have come out in a boat and you've got Peter in the boat and there's a storm hitting, it's bloody chaos, and he has to get out of the boat and walk on the water. And, and so what I started to see is the, the first realm that we exist in is the realm of under the water. You know, it's out of the breath or spirit. We're in that, that, that mind realm. We're in that, and it's a very chaotic realm. And the, the the energetics of that realm is cannibalism. We take energy from people and people take energy from us, you know, and it's just this without any understanding of actually how we can hold our own energy and, and you know, out of goodness, we try and help people. and But we just, you know, as we know, we see so many people who are working in the, the healing arts um, get so depleted and so sick. And because what it is is that's that cannibalistic, exchange of energy that is actually going on but then the first thing that'll happen for a lot of people is they'll reach up through the water and they'll grab onto a piece of driftwood and it might be a book it might be a conversation it might be a podcast it might be a um just a i don't know just a an epiphany of some sort and they're able to pull themselves up into above the water and take a breath and they look around and go wow i can actually breathe there's something more there's something more and then they see another book out there and they grab that book and they bring it in closer and they start to build a raft and eventually they get to the stage where they can climb up on top of that raft but the thing is is they're running on other people's wisdom and i think this is a place of a teacher the socratic teacher in the in the in the inverse where the where the you know the student is ready the teacher appears but when the student is done the teacher disappears you know and and I, and I think that's the other stage of things. And, and eventually you get to the stage where you're on this raft. Now, you can stay on this raft, and some people build a bigger raft and they get people to jump on their raft with them, and, and they stay on this raft. But there's a stage you've got to reach where you've actually got to let go of all that and walk on water. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's that wisdom stage. So that's, that's sort of the premise of where I'm sort of moving with, with my cool. understanding. I, 
I love that. And being quite visual, I, I, I can really see, you know, the stepping and in actual fact, going above the water, you know, where you're stepping up into the unknown, the, the next level, the next level, the mm. next level, yep. up-leveling our energy body. And so, you know, working with frequencies and things, I can, I can see where you're coming, you know, with the depletion of the healer. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing to really comprehend is that if we don't protect our own energy, mm. we eventually have nothing to give. Yeah. And therefore, with protection of our own being is the most important thing. And people might see it as a selfish thing, mm. but it's it's actually selfless because if you have abundant energy, then you have much, much more to give as long as you've got that flow of it. You know, you're tapping into the flow, you're tapping into everything, and it's learning to tap into that. Mm. The biggest delight, I suppose, you know, for want of a better word, the biggest delight of, for me, as a practitioner or whatever, is seeing people light themselves up. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, at, at this present moment, as we're talking, I'm running this 10-day program, which is a sort of like where people can join. It's a free program, and they, they join in and they experience what it is we have to offer with our programs. And it's design, it's a weight drop program. So many people struggle with their weight, and mainly because of imbalances and things. And so what it shows as a group, I see, is everyone working together and supporting one another. Mm. Then you start seeing lights come on. And literally, with this is the fifth day, and I'm seeing the the lights coming on. It, and it's it's so quick. It can be so quick when we're working together. And and that's what I've realized is that if we're supporting one another and and working together and and being there for one another. And then everyone's lights can come on and the and the energy keeps rising. And the more the energy rises, the more the energy rises in the world. And and if someone's not wanting to play, they just drop away. Yeah. Yes. And because it's not their time yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not no judgment in that. It's just not not right for them at this present moment in time. And and yeah. that's fantastic too. You know, it's all good. I love that. I love that. Because I, th- I think, see, one of the things that I looked at um, was I always, always wanted to fit in, you know, and, um, you know, and, you know, the, the, the seeking approval and being a part of a group and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I, and I, and I looked everywhere for it, looked everywhere and sought and, and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And, and then I got to this stage where it was, I, I started to look at the toxicity that exists within that, that space of wanting to fit in, wanting to be part of a group, you know, because I think there's a real healthiness within, within a, a healthy group. And I came to the, the church 
side of things. And I'm, I've, you know, metamorphosized that that's metabolized, <laughs> which is, but it's, but it's a beautiful piece of driftwood to use that analogy. Mm, you know, um, absolutely. The, the sad thing is, there's quite a few barnacles on that, those driftwoods. And uh, yeah, you gotta, gotta know how to navigate that, um, mm. that side of things. But, but one of the things that I looked at was a term called sanctification. Um, and the other thing was the definition of the word church. And the church is the coming together of the sanctified ones. So what's sanctification? Well, sanctification is separation unto God, if we look at it from that perspective. And, and so from my perspective with that, it was that intimate understanding of who I am, that mm. real joy of, you know, to your point, of, of, of the, the selflessness, you know, the, the, you know the, this, this self-focus, which is so important to actually, you know, every philosophy and religion says know thyself. And so yeah. there is that there are times, and this is what I actually did. I actually snapped my Achilles about two years ago. And I went, you know, I was with a men's group of all things as well. And we we're doing a warm-up, uh, you know, for the for the, you know, to be able to get out and do a bit of a, a gym workout. Snap my Achilles. And I went, okay, what's he's telling me? And and I took responsibility for it entirely. And I just went, all right. So the first thing that I did was I actually moved away from connection with tribe and I just went, I need to understand who I am. And I, and I, I separated myself away from everything. I shut everything down, Facebook, you know, all these sorts of things and just shut down, shut down, shut down. And what was so amazing about that was the loneliness that I could actually sit in and be able to really find that space of love and, 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 and appreciation for myself. But there was a lot of dark night of the soul moments, which we, you know, <laughs> go through those seasons. But uh, there was fascinating. Yeah. And, and I ended up, you know, then I, I, I came through that. And part of that was also moving away from working in that pharmaceutical industry. And, um, and with, the, with the, the gratitude of the courage that I had to be authentic to who I was and sovereign and, and, yeah. and, and have bodily integrity. And so I moved away. So when I, when when I made that decision, then I actually started to step into connecting back in with people, and that's part of what the podcast um, sort of came yeah. from as well. Is there is a beauty about connection with people, and and I, and 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 I think, but it but the, there is the also the awareness of making sure you're sovereign. You're not outsourcing. You're not outsourcing your knowledge always, unless it's a contracted agreement. You know, I'm going to go to you to get some information. Yep, we've got this. Great, I'll take that information. We finished. Cool. And that there's that continual sort of sovereign being aware of the outsourcing. You know, do I out my beautiful wife Katerina? You know, I've got to make sure that I don't outsource my need for love to her. Yeah. Because if I have it for yeah. myself then what sits on the other side of that is a beautiful relationship. And yes. so there's a there's a really interesting thing about our, actually tell me about what do you think about this outsourcing, you know, where the dependent nature that we seem to to have in this world around us. Oh, I think, you know, it's from millennia of teaching to actually disempower the human because we as humans are incredibly powerful if we are in tune with ourselves. And it's quite interesting you talk about religion because when I was 
I was about seven. Uh, we went, we lived in a in a sort of small road, and at the end of it was a, a little Methodist church. And I went to Sunday school. Not my parents were not religious at all. I just decided I wanted to go to Sunday school because I could wear my posh frock and my black patent leather shoes. Love it. And anyway, I really enjoyed it because I enjoyed the stories. I enjoyed the sort of all of that aspect. And the guy who was taking it also taught us how to do things like weaving and stuff like that, which was really cool. But then at about 11, I decided that I wanted to know more. So in the village I was brought up in, there were five other churches. So I took myself to all of these other churches. Mm. And so that, I mean, I didn't go sort of regularly. I just went in the, over the course of a couple of years, I went to all the other churches. And I realised they were all talking the same thing, but the others were, they were right and the others were wrong. Mm. And and I sort of, then I took myself off to the library and, and learned about more esoteric religions and, and just dove down that rabbit hole, and I realised they were all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when I sort of disassociated with this organised religion because I knew that nature had so much to offer that, you know, as long as you're a person who does no harm, which, of course, comes back to the sovereign, mm-hmm. um, then... Why did I need to follow someone else? Mm. Mm. It's a similar, a similar journey, but you know, coming to to back to right, I've realised, you know, that us as humans, we have the power, mm-hmm. and that is what we haven't learned how to tap into yet, as a collective. As a yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> if we as a collective can tap in to that, what a magical word that's going to be. And I do believe it is definitely, I know in my heart that it's definitely what's going to happen. I'm with you 100%. I, 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 I see this. I, 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 you know, the, you know, I stepped into martial arts with just this knowing that there is something greater spiritually. You know, yeah. um, you know, and I looked at it with the, the chi energy. And when I got my black belt, um, I was waiting for the magical powers to kick in. They didn't quite kick in <laughs> at all, <laughs> you know. But that's as they say, they were the, already there. <laughs> they were, and, but that's when your training starts. And 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 so the first first thing you learn is humility. You know, mm. and um, and that actually ended up me moving away from martial arts because I actually didn't want to hurt people. Um, yeah. There may be a sojourn back into it because I love the the cartas um, that they do within martial arts, which is a, a choreographed movement as opposed to the attacking. But but it's I, I'm with you with that. I think I think we had this this beautiful potentiality that is just it's there, and part of it is getting out of our way, you know, yeah. and and. Being able to, you know, I think the last three years were a fascinating time because what it did was it was the most beautiful collective initiation point. Bespoke. Yeah. It was bespoke. What is mm-hmm. the what is the 
what is the price you would pay? And and when you stepping into that 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 space was so exciting when you actually looked at it, because then you got a real understanding without shame or, or or guilt or anything like that. But it was this this gorgeous sort of expose of what do I hold in the highest regard, and what yeah. is what is what is where, you know where, and and that's a beauty that that has been exposed for each of us as individuals. Um, yes. Direction you chose again, you know, it's it's neither here nor there because, as we said, everything can be healed and everything can be brought back to. I love the word, and I was chatting with Lindley actually. Lindley and I had a bit of a chat. Um, oh. Yeah, so literally, it was beautiful. We we're having a chat about the maid, the mother, the 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 marga and the uh, the crone and menopause and home birth and <laughs> right. But one of the things that we sort of were, we sort of you know spitballed the idea of the word health. And actually, I'll ask you, what, what, how do you define health? What would you define as health, the word health? Oh, that's a really big question, actually, Duncan. Isn't uh, it? <laughs> health to me is um, absence of symptoms, negative symptoms, abundant energy, and the ability to sleep soundly mm-hmm. um, and actually a awareness of others mm. emotionally. And so health to me, yeah, it's a really good question. So health to me really is a constant state of improvement. Mm. I love that. Because, you know, as we mature, I won't say the A word because I think it's like a swear word, but I think as we mature, we ex- people have an expectation of the body deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And what I've, I've learned is we don't have to have that deterioration. And so, you know, yeah, our skin might look different and, and everything else, but it doesn't mean to say that we have to have aches and pains, that we can't do the things we used to do. Because what I proved to myself is actually I can do more than I used to be able to do in my 20s. Mm. Um, I've got more stamina. I've got more mental capacity um, in in my I didn't realise until I was 50 that I was dyslexic. Mm. And But the interesting thing is, is that I thought I was just a bit thick because I couldn't spell, I couldn't, you know. Um, but actually what it was is that I wasn't interested, to be honest. I wasn't interested in school. <laughs> I had no interest at all. They weren't teaching me anything I was interested in. Mm. But as soon as I tapped into my passion, which was the natural health thing, I could absorb it all and utilize it all. Mm. And now I'm fine-tuning my dietary requirements, as in no getting to know more and more about what foods really suit me. My mental ability is far is is improving all the time. So with you know, the use it or lose it, of course, is a, is a mm. big of it and I'm sure you with the exercising you know yeah if we don't do certain things then we, we it takes a bit of time for the the body to to adapt and, and change but I do believe that if we keep on 
learning new things, if we keep on trying new things, mm-hmm. then we keep on improving, you know? Completely like agree. Like the church years, you know, keep yeah. on improving or why, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I love that. I love that. I love the I love your, the definition of health here. I mean, I, one of the things that I sort of sat with is what is definition of health for me? And it was return to wholeness. And mm. and, I, and I love that because then that became the foundation of where I could create from. And, you know, the, you know, for me, you know, when we look at health, health and sickness work hand in hand. You know, they're, they're intimately related. But once we step into wholeness, health and sickness don't exist. You know, yes. uh, you know, and and which is a it's it, it's an interesting sort of, you know, it's not so much a word salad, but it's more an interesting sort of um perspective on on that side of things because all of a sudden you become to 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 what you were saying, you you become almost intuitive about what do I need to eat. Yeah, there's some really good nuts and bolts. Like I certainly understand. That we have two engines in our body. We've got a big diesel engine, and that that's that's the one that's supposed to run the body. And we've got this small little high octane, um, you know, outboard motor engine that's that was never supposed to run the body. And if we feed that engine carbohydrates, yeah. we're going to wear everything out. But if we feed this one quality fats, and I'm talking saturated animal <laughs> fats, you know, absolutely, then, yeah, then the same wavelength. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's really. Yeah, interesting for me because what I've been talking about most recently is I believe that us as humans, I think if we're one of those people, and I have been because, you know, focusing on the weight loss thing as my business, is I actually perceive that we're really lucky if we put on weight. Mm, And people people think I'm up. Yeah, people think I'm bonkers, mm. and I am a bit, but that's all right. I quite like being bonkers. <laughs> um, but the reason is, is I believe when we start putting on weight, as in our clothes don't fit or, you know, and we just don't feel good, we tend to take action. We tend to go and look for answers. And so most people can try different things, and they'll try and try and try until they find the thing that works. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you're, you probably know people like this, or they're becoming fewer and fewer actually. But but basically, where you've got someone who appears to be able to eat what they like, mm. drink what they like, and they never put on weight, and that for me is actually quite a dangerous thing. Because mm. you know, if you've got someone who swirls down twenty beers or whatever, and then they eat pies, and then they eat, you know lots of sugar and they have all of that in all sense of appearances because they're not putting on weight they're doing okay Mm. but what happens is normally they're the ones who get a serious Mm dis-ease they're farther down the track yeah yeah it takes a lot more energy and a lot more commitment to actually pull it back Mm -hmm. yeah you know, I get um, women who are going through the menopause who have never, ever had to look at what they eat yep, yep. until menopause hits and kabam, they put on weight. They're the ones who have the most challenge to make those changes mm. that you have to 
you have to make changes because otherwise you're you know if you carry on doing the things you've been doing and expecting a different result that's a madness. <laughs> it's madness yes yes and so that's what's quite interesting about the weight thing and um is we're seeing a huge um increase for want of a better word, accused increase in um, people gaining weight over the last few years. Huge. Yeah, I think, um, and it was interesting because one of the things that I looked at, and God, I can go in so many ways. I'd love to have another chat with you down the track too because there's some, some great juicy things, um, you know, especially around um, looking at a brain injury that I my stepson was run down by, deliberately run down by a car and suffered severe brain injury when he was 20. Oh, was he 20, just about 10, 26? And uh, right. I, worked a, I worked a paleo, complete paleo diet in the hospital. What was going to take two years, took three months to, to completely rehab him. There was a lot of other things I did, but that's another story. But I think, I think you know, what, we've, what we need to really start to have a look at is, you know, there's, when we look at like menopause, for example, my wife actually suffered a stroke. Um, okay. uh, as as a result of um, we're and you know not that I I hold the medical establishment and as as the guru of knowledge, but their their interpretation or their thoughts where it was as a result of the contraceptive pill that she was on, and um, and you know this chronic you know the liberation that's come from for women from being able to have have the ability to control fertility um you know mm. exogenously um you know uh, it is has been liberating you could argue but but at what cost um when the cycles have been manipulated and, and held at bay through mm. very poor research um yeah. you know what's the long-term implications of a child you know from the ages of 13 and 14 they're being put on a contraceptive pill yeah. And they wonder why, you know, they're suffering all these symptoms. And then when they hit the the years that would normally, that well, that potential menopause would kick in, you know, you can understand why there is such a chaos in that space because we've now got this, it's almost like somebody who's run on, on um, high-octane fuel and their insulin system is completely practiced, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, it's really quite an interesting journey as, you know, as a natural health practitioner, I've been through fatigue and, and also been through the vegetarian, vegan thing, which I actually <laughs> now believe um, the vegetarian, because I went vegetarian at 19, I actually believe that the vegetarian diet had a huge component to why I got chronic fatigue in the first place. And so there I was looking for answers. So I went into a more extreme version. So I went into, so 50, 20 years being vegetarian, 15 of those being lacto ovo vegetarian, and then I did five years vegan. Mm. And, and when I was on the vegan diet, I couldn't work out why I was feeling so bad. Mm. What I did was, instead of going the vegan diet must be wrong, what I did was I went into the raw food vegan thing and expected. Mm -hmm. And so in 1999, 
I um I woke up one morning. We were living on a canal boat in the UK. Beautiful. Yeah. And I was commuting into London for work because I ran a clinic there. And and basically I woke up one morning, I went, I need chicken. And my husband goes, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> the journey with me and, and so we went to a waitress who had free-range cooked chickens and we devoured the chicken between us and I've not looked back mm. so I went into the low carb which is now called keto mm-hmm. um and went into low carb and felt so much better but then um moved countries and the, 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 so much life takes over and um Ah, in 2006, went into menopause, and I never thought I was going to have a problem with menopause because I knew what I was doing, of course. Huh? <laughs> and uh, and so I am. Um, basically, we had we moved to New Zealand. We were sort of semi-retired because we we'd done well and sold businesses, and then we invested in 2006, 2007. Our investments went down the gurgler. We nearly lost everything. And also I lost my mum in the UK. So hugely stressful time and literally felt like I put on 25 kilos overnight. Mm. And although I'd had a journey with my weight, um, never had that amount go on before. And so then I went into deep depression and anxiety and feeling not good enough because after all, if I couldn't heal myself, how could I help others? Mm. Big, big learning for me anyway. Six months of wallowing in self-pity and decided I was going to do something about it. And so I sort of pulled on the strings of what I'd learned over the years. And and the first one was a, a little book I'd written called Detox Your Allergies. Mm-hmm. Foods that I put my clients on now are low inflammatory foods that came up because when I did allergy testing, these foods seldom came up. So I put myself on that. And the great thing was, is I stopped putting on weight. So, and I felt better, mm-hmm. but it really didn't hit oh, completely. The weight didn't start coming off. So I started experimenting with remedies, homeopathic essences, nutrition and everything. And it literally took me four years. And in 2010, hit the jackpot and the weight just came off. So within four months, I'd lost 25 kilos. Wow. And so, of course, people saw me and started to wanting what I was doing. And so that's how my Fast Track to Health program uh, came along. And so what I, that's what I really love about working in what I do is being able to see the tangible differences so quickly and see people come into their own and see them let go they're not just letting go of the weight of course because they're letting go mm. of the old emotional stuff that that menopause brings up you know if we look at what men why we go through menopause the transition we know the transition from the um, ovaries creating all the hormones and and then of course we still have to have those hormones mm. but the ovaries are longer producing them so so the adrenals take over and, yeah. and consequently if the adrenals are already running on overdrive, then they take on a new job. You know? mm-hmm. So consequently, that's where we start 
things start going a bit AWOL because then everything goes, all the because all the hormonal bits are all interconnected with one another. And so that's when we start getting these horrible symptoms because they are. Mm. But naturally, of course, if we didn't have all of those things, if we weren't exposed to huge amounts of stress, if we weren't exposed to huge amounts of toxins, if we weren't, what we would do going through menopause is we would process what's happened in our past, mm. let it go if it didn't serve us and, and, and learn from what we've experienced and, and move into our wisdom years. Mm. And so that's what menopause is all about, isn't it? It's like a transition, you know, like we do from teenage, from, from young child to teenager, that's a transition, and then we go through motherhood, which is a big transition, <laughs> and then we go through menopause, which is another transition. So it's actually a natural thing, but uh, what's unnatural about nowadays is the huge symptomology that we have. Mm. In. And also, you know, we're we're being told you need to take HRT or you need to take all these things that will help will help you with your symptoms. Yeah, but they're just a sticky plaster that if you come off them, your symptoms will come back with a blast. You know? mm, yeah. And so that's what medication is all about after all. You know? Look, having worked in that industry 20 years, um, yeah. you know, and, you know, I, I know for me, you know, is that it was all about, celebrating keeping people on the medication and mm. keeping chronic disease in the foray, you know, and and with the tokenistic, we put patients first, you know, yeah. that they, they, they pump out in every company. And, and you know, when I snapped my Achilles, fantastic. I was able to have it sewn back together again. Oh, um, perfect. You know, that was great, you know, and so there is a, there's an applause for that and an appreciation for that. But the management of pain afterwards was not the, the, the medical model for me, you know. Um, yeah, the medical model definitely has its place, you know, in trauma-based medicine that, you know, you, you, you couldn't go to a herbalist and say, fix my Achilles mm. tendon, you know, you, and stick it back together. We, we, we don't have those tools. But, but what we do have tools for is enabling the body to heal itself. Mm. Because our body, given the right ingredients, the right nutrition, the right thought, the right everything, then it can literally come back to where we first started, really. Basically, where it can basically go, it can heal anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we understand the quantum and that quantum physics realm, and we understand the concept of epigenetics as as an expression of the quantum. um, You know, you begin to see the potentiality of things being miraculously healed. You know, and you know, and I think I, I, it, it's interesting if we come back to diet just for a little bit, which is which I find fascinating. Um, a lot of the times, people get some great results going on a diet because it's probably the first time they've paid attention. Mm. You know, it's the first time they've paid attention. They may have dropped out some of the things like your trans fats and, they, you know, by act, not intentionally, but, you know, I'm not going to have junk food anymore. And so there is, they'll notice a bit of a kick up in, I feel a bit better, you mm. know. But the thing is, is that that's a very basic grace period that you actually have there. And and like with all grace, you can't run on grace all the time, you know. You, you know, it's like the pre-heaven chi 
Can't run and pray yeah. heaven chi all the time because it's going to uh, run out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you've got yeah. to step into the wisdom. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, the wisdom takes a while for it to drop in sometimes, you know. Mm. So, you know, with my program, low inflammatory foods included meat and veg, mm. low carb, but meat and veg. And so then five years ago, one of my clients popped in, little teacher that she is, um, and said, Karen, have you heard of the carnivore diet? <laughs> and I went, no, what's that? So I went and looked into it. And that, and bearing in mind, you know, my training in nutrition was mainly vegetarian, vegan training. And, and I was renowned for my salads and vegetables and things. Mm. And so... Yeah, and I went, mm, oh, you know. So it took me quite a while to research it because mm. I just, you know, it took a bit of a mind mind shift. I was going to mm -hmm. say something else then. <laughs> you can. <laughs> but, yeah, but basically I went, oh, this makes sense because, you know, when I did the allergy testing, I never, ever had anyone allergic to beef. Ever. Mm. Yeah. Lamb, pork occasionally, mm -hmm. but shellfish occasionally. Really and truly, you know, it's like, um, it's like, what's this? You know, that makes sense. You know, the only things that, that could be problematic is dairy and, and occasionally shellfish. But, but then I sort of went, that makes sense. So 2020, I, I did a month. January on Carnival, and I felt really good. Mm. And, you know, what happened in 2020, life went a bit mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me time, actually. So um, I had a shop at the time, so I had to take time off. And actually, it was a good time because it made me decide to shut the shop, which was great, and take my life online again. Anyway, so cut a long story short, did more and more research, finding out more and more about it. And so in October 2020, went full carnivore. Mm -hmm. And haven't looked back, to be honest. And Absolutely. feel amazing. I mean, I'm not going to ever say I'm never going to go back to mm. eating. I'm not ever going to say that because sometimes if I feel like having something, I will. Mm -hmm. But basically what I'm learning with, with people is – Sometimes when you have an ailment or a symptom or something, or like I have with the chronic fatigue, sometimes we have to take the pendulum and swing it right down the other end. Yep. Yeah. With the or, or you know, and to really deeply heal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I find the carnival so fascinating because it can deeply, deeply heal. And I'm working with people with autoimmune diseases and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff and cancers, actually, mm -hmm. who are healing themselves. Mm. Because they're giving the body ingredients that they can actually heal mm -hmm. and, you know, using things like liver and stuff. Yeah, it's a, the power food. I, do you know what I'm, I'm laughing? For me, I'm just so chuffed. There are so many similarities. You know, I had chronic fatigue in my early years, dyslexia, Um you know, I ended up with blue glasses and it was found out in university, you know. Um, my parents said that, uh, hey, he's, uh, 
called up to the school when I was in grade one and said, look, um, we've got a bit of a problem with Duncan. And, and they said, and so they came up to the school and they said, look, you know, we, he's a really nice kid, but he's not really bright. And But he's really good with egg cartons. So we think if he can get himself a trade and a good woman to balance his checkbooks, he'll get through life. And my parents reacted to that, which is an interesting thing because there's some stuff I've sort of got from that rather than actually holding their, not so much their ground, but actually they they pulled me out and put me in a school which was forced out, you know, tried to force knowledge into me. Um, but then it was the second year, second year of uni, I went to a behavioural optometrist and ended up with blue glasses for a period of time. And I re, you know, calibrated my brain, ended up finishing university with honours, you know, and um, and I knew I was smart, but but to your point as well. But also coming along that avenue, I actually went carnival for six months at the start of this year and I lost, yeah. oh, how much weight did I lose? I think about 12 kilos. Um, and I actually just kicked off carnival again this week. <laughs> so, it's, you know, yeah. I, I went off it and what I noticed was I my mental acuity was dropping, my ability to be resilient had dropped. Um, my um, joints were sore, really sore, lower back especially, hips and lower back. Um, even, you know, just the, the thumb joints were noticeably sore, you know, it was, and I went, oh, that's really interesting. So I I went, no, 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 straight into it. So I've gone through the, the you know, yesterday was a great detox day. I always find, well, I didn't, I found the last time I went through it, basically I think about day three and, you, and it just comes out of you like a, you know, an eye of a needle at 100 metres, you know, and it just, fly, you know, you just, oh, yeah. big cleanse goes on. It's like a colonic. It, it definitely can. Yeah, that's cool. And, the, you know, the thing is, is that I, I, there's so many angles we can look at it at. Mm. And the way I look at it with the carnivore then is we've been over the last, oh, goodness, 70 years now, mm-hmm. we as humanity have been indoctrinated to avoid animal fat mm-hmm. and then avoid salt mm-hmm. go vegan mm-hmm. and i look at it and i go that's actually the worst thing we can do to a human oh eat margarine instead of butter oh my god <laughs> that's the worst anomaly of yeah. All, yeah. all um and and that is to me is just showing that the marketing arm of the food industry or, I mean, we can go down many rabbit holes with this, Duncan, but we can basically say they do not have our health and well-being at the forefront of this. In actual fact, it is a dumbing down of humanity to stop us eating saturated fat because... You know, we need that fat for the neurons of the brain. Absolutely. We need that fat for our central nervous system. We need that fat for a healthy nervous system. We need that fat to burn, get our mitochondria burning and mm-hmm. the fire going. Yep. And and so I see the carnival that as the ultimate rebellion. I, I I love it. I love that terminology, the, cult, the ultimate rebellion, because it is. It yes. is ultimate rebellion. It's rebellion. You know, look, you know, very familiar with the Ansel Keys, very familiar with the food pyramid, 
very familiar with the impact of Kellogg's and the and sanitarium and and that side of things as well, and actually seeing the the narrative that's coming through now, you know, and and especially under the under the guise of shame, you know, shame on you for doing that. But then again, we, you know, if we're going to buy into this Gaia, well, you know, I love the idea of that. I think it's a beautiful ro- romance about the the concept of Gaia. Is that our body has been designed in a particular way. If we were looked at a species and we were studying us and we didn't know, we never saw what it ate and we went through its elementary canal and then we we studied its endocrine system, we would sit there and go, this body needs to run on saturated fats because it doesn't have a a rumen. It doesn't have a, uh, you know, a gullet that can grind up stuff continuously. It doesn't chew the cud, you know. it's uh, It needs to be able to run on this. And in actual fact... It's got a, it's got this little small little area that you know. To your point, every now and then tapping into. See, I love cooking, and that was the biggest thing. I had to really, I had to really trust because I ended up listening to Michaela Peterson, actually, um, Jordan Peterson's daughter, who yeah. went on yeah. the carnivore diet, and she's on the lion diet side of things. And and then I looked, listened, listened to Chafee and Baker and and quite a few others as well. And I, I went, wow, it's interesting. I'm holding on to these ideologies about nutrition. And they're a belief. And like with all beliefs, you've got to be able to let them go mm. and then bring them back and let them go. The more you hold on to them, the more they, they crystallise in, in, your, in, yeah. your, in your identity. And, yeah, then, and it brings you back to neuroplasticity, doesn't it, really? Does, because absolutely. if you don't have enough animal fat, you neuroplasticity goes out the window. Well, that's how he healed, you know, cat's son Tim's brain. You know, yeah. five, uh, what do we what do we work out? I think it was five head traumas after he got hit by a car at 80 kilometres an hour. And yeah. I just, uh, do you know what was really, really, you want to talk about fascinating serendipity. I'm just mindful of time too because I have to jump off for you to be able to jump on the client. But, oh, are we? Yeah, we're two hours ahead of me. Um, the, um, a week before um, Tim got run down, um, a Norigetigaudis um, had actually did a, an interview with this lady who worked healing her brain injury, and you know through a, through the the primal eating, you know uh, concept. Mm. Then the primal body, primal mind was a book I'd been reading, and and then when all this happened, we we're up in he was up in Cairns. Long story short, I got flown down to Townsville. I moved everything up to Townsville, rented a place up there, and there was a paleo cafe there. And I just went in there. I need bone broths. I need you to guys to be able to do meals i i, I researched the supplements down to the sun three months three months that was they 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 were actually going to keep him you know two years in the brain injury in, uh, um, center in 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 brisbane and i he was down there for one day when they finally flew him down about six weeks after being in townsville and we pulled him out i said no way and they said you can't pull him out we need to do tests so i said well you do your baseline tests and he's out on monday and we pulled him out on Monday, and they treated me so poorly. Um, I, you know, I'll share some photos with you, you know, and, and some of the images. Great, you know? yeah. And yeah. you know, and what was fast, what was amazing about it was, you know, I was able to tap into a beautiful acupuncturist, you know, and we we got the facial nerve working again because he had this complete paralysis on one side of his face, and and but again, the they're sitting there saying, "No, it needs sugar. It needs sugar." I said, "It doesn't. That's inflammatory. It needs fat." The brain is made up of fat. We need to put fat in there. And I was just getting, he was he was like a, you know, one of those F1 
bloody cars, you know, those Formula, Formula One cars, you know, his engine was running perfectly. He went from a tradie drinking, smoking, eating pies and eating all that sort of shit to, to eating this beautiful food. And, and the healing effect of that was phenomenal. I know it was an N equals one study, but we put start putting these studies like your experiences that you've seen, we start to see mm. that there is a very, very quality picture there. You know, which is amazing. It's huge because the interesting thing is, is I put the carnivore diet on my website about three years ago. Yeah. And the interesting, so basically been working in this industry for decades and put the carnivore diet on the website. I've had more medical doctors phone me than in my entire career. Wow. And neurosurgeons is and yeah. so, you know, it's like some some are definitely getting into this. Mm. And some aren't. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> a reason, a season, a lifetime, you know, and all that, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're perfect timing, you know, when they're ready to receive, they will get what they need, you know, and this some I won't think, ever. I think so. I think so. I'm mindful of time for you. I want to have another chat with you, Karen. You know, can we tee up another awesome. time? You know, I love it. There are so many directions we can go into. You know, I'd love to dig into the the, the, the fast track your health and um, you know the the you know the minutia of that and the you know I feel we've sort of laid the foundation of of uh, a beautiful sort of ongoing nutritional conversation yeah. and also relationship. You know, I, you know it's beautiful. You know, I love Melissa said to me. She goes, "Strangers are people we just haven't become friends with yet." You know, and you know, and I love that. You know, and I, I think we've 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 moved into that new space, Karen. You know, to be able to have awesome, lovely. Thank you, Karen, and we'll uh, we'll, so we'll see you up another. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.